Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. Today I've got with me screenwriter James Moran. Hello, James. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now we met for, we met properly at uh, your writing workshop at uh, the Fright Fest this year, which I was compelled enough to write a review about it, even though I was there to. Re- I thought I was having a rest that day. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you very much for that. That was really good. So um, now from there. Um, <clears throat> I did. I did uh, rather cheekily ask if we could do come on the podcast to talk about one one of your early films, which is Severance. Hmm. Do and what we'll do for the for the main stage show is we'll do a script to screen analysis of that. But first, you've got a web series that starts at the end of September. Do you want to tell us what that's called and and, and what it's about? I do. Yeah, it's called Mina Murray's Journal, and it's a modernised vlog adaptation of Bram Stoker's classic novel Dracula. Really. Yeah, um, that starts on uh, Thursday, the 29th of September. And yeah, so it's all told, it's, it's present day, it's told through the vlog format. Mm-hmm. Um, but because the original novel is, uh, this is very, very hard to pronounce for me, epistolary or epistolary yeah. or epistolary, um, it's all told in diary format and, and letters. So it, it actually translates pretty well to uh, the vlogging format which is just another form of diary really mm. so it, it works out quite well um, and we've we've got a few got a few surprises if you know the story then I've got some surprises in store and it's not gonna go exactly the way you think and I've also flipped it around so that Mina is the hero rather than Jonathan okay. I, I just always felt that that Mina and Lucy were, were much more interesting characters in the book and I wanted to see more of them and how, how they dealt with stuff. Um, and whenever they were in the background, I was going to wait for them to come back. So, so Mina and Mina and Lucy are front and center main characters. You've kind of, you've kind of moderned, moderned up the <clears throat> role of the, of, of gender, of gender that would have been, would have put them at the back at the time almost. Yeah, yeah, and it's not uh, like it's not a failing of the book. It's just mm. you know, it's it's a product of its time of where course. you know there's lot there's lots of stuff in there where she's talking about um, practicing her typing so that she can be useful to Jonathan once they're <laughs> married. Um, 
And you know, and at the time that was kind of how things were. But uh, yeah, you can't, you can't be you can't be doing that kind of thing nowadays. To, to my to my horror horror shame, I only read it last summer, Bram Stoker's Dracula, for the first time. And I can confirm, audience, it's a very good book. There's a reason it stood the test of time. It's great. It's 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 it so good. It I mean, is. you know, you, you sort of you, you make allowances for you know the time it was written in, so you kind of you, you adjust your your uh, your attitude towards certain certain parts of it. Um, but it is still it's a cracking book. Yeah, it's really exciting and really scary. Yeah, because I mean, I haven't managed to crack um, Shelley's Frankenstein yet because mm. that is the way that is written isn't as accessible. I mean, despite of the content of, of Dracula, it actually reads like quite like a modern novel in a way. Yeah. The attitudes might be old, but actually the readability isn't. Mm. I, d- I didn't find. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it does. It, it, it moves along. Right. then, sir. So let's now that's your web series. That's coming out in September. We'll remind people at the end of the show and we'll put actually what I should ask. How can people see it? I know that sounds like a stupid question for, 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 for a web series. Is it's, it just YouTube and stuff? There's no such thing as stupid questions. It, yeah, it will be going up on YouTube. It's going to be two episodes a week okay. after after the first week. Um, and you can find everything on our website, which is minasjournal.com, and everything will be linked to that. That's got the link to the YouTube channel. It's got a link to the Twitter, all the, all the Facebook, all the contact things, uh, information, uh, trailer. So that's the place to go. Go there and then find the YouTube Link and subscribe to that so that you get the the episodes as soon as they as soon as they appear. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'll put that link in the uh, in the show notes so people so that will save people a little bit of typing, um, so they can go look at it themselves. So then, let's talk about Severance. Cool. Um, for the, for that now, obviously, it goes without saying. In 2016, this will contain spoilers if people <laughs> haven't seen Severance. But to remind people, do you want to give do you want to give like a brief synopsis to what Severance is about? Yeah, I mean, it's. I'll, I'll give you the the initial one sentence idea I had oh, all those years ago, which is basically a bunch of office workers go on a team building weekend and start getting picked off by a mysterious killer. That was literally all I had to start with. Wow! So, so it's, it's, that's the bare bones of of, of a slasher film, isn't it? Really? Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Um, I didn't know, you know, when I first came up with it, I didn't know, I didn't know who was killing them or what was killing them. I didn't know if it was a person or, or a monster. I just thought, so I, I was trying to sort of think up a, a, a good horror movie idea yeah. to, to script. And I just thought, wouldn't it be great to do a slasher movie where, you know, the cast aren't a bunch of 19 year old underwear models they're actually people that that you work with in your day-to-day office job, which you know. And I, I had a succession of office jobs in London, um, some some better than others. Yeah. And I just thought, I want to see I want to see those people in a slasher movie because I want to see how they react. Because surely the way they react is going to be more interesting and probably funnier and crazier than the usual kind of. I think I think at the time there there'd been quite a few sort of. You know, teenage teenagers um, go to go to seclude, secluded locations and get and get picked off. There's nothing wrong with those, but I just kind of thought I would. I want to see these people. I want. I want to. Well, basically, I want to hack hack up and kill people I work with. Really. Well, I guess I guess the trend in horror was post Wes Craven's Scream, which had mm. done the kind of meta version 
of what a slasher was, the the more opportunistic of producers out there who are going to make, who have done the sums as to what formula is a film that will sell to enough people to make mm. a return, had sort of reduced the slasher film to naked breasts, a killer you can't see, and almost like a Scooby Doo ending all the time. And so mm. as long as it followed that rules, it yeah. could work. And and there are people still doing it now. It's it's almost like. I th- did you see found footage 3D? Yes, yes. I, I love that. I thought, one of, I thought one of the best gags in that was the producer character in the sense of his disdain mm. for anybody that watches films while yeah. trying to make films to make money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's like the worst possible example of someone just doing stuff for the money and they, there's no passion or, or, or enthusiasm for movie making whatsoever. It was really funny. I mean, I've, I've seen... I've seen that kind of person so many times. It's, I mean, I've, I've been very lucky that the three movies I've had made have been made by good, smart people mm. um, who who really want to make a good piece of work. But yeah, there are plenty of people like that who, I mean, we probably, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say who they are, but we probably all know who they are. There are there are some people in the industry who just do it for the money and they don't care about horror. They're not interested and and they make terrible movies, but. They do it just enough so that they make they make the money back, make a profit, and you know. I mean, first of all, if you get into any kind of movie business thinking you're going to make money, then uh, <laughs> that's yeah. that's never going to happen because it's it's the worst business in the world. It just I don't know why anybody invests in movies because it's just okay. What, what we'll do is you give us your money, and you might never see it again or us again, and it might it might not even get made. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Like no one, nobody would, nobody should invest in movies. It's a terrible, terrible idea. Except mine, obviously. <laughs> and mine as well. Well, well. Yeah. We'll keep, we'll keep, we'll keep ours in the market, and then tell everyone else that they shouldn't do it. Um, yes. So, so with, with that very basic idea that you outlined, mm. how? I mean, like I said at the beginning, you, you, you've got, a, you've got a fairly kind of refined approach now to how you would take that basic idea. So when, when you went back in the early 2000s when you were developing this, what was your approach to take that idea of making, I mean, for a better expression, an intelligent slasher film? Yeah, I mean, you know, you say, you say, you say that, that the, the cliché thing is, uh, you know, killer you can't see, bare breasts and Scooby-Doo ending, but, mm. I mean, Severance kind of has killer you can't see, some bare breasts and a Scooby-Doo ending, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> you kind of... You know, much as you resist that, that thought, you're like, no, I'm going to do something different and groundbreaking. And then whatever you do, it just kind of comes back round to that because because it works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't I didn't intend to put bare breasts in that sort of that sort of happened. Um, but yeah, you do, especially making a slasher movie. You you kind of you, you try and do you try and do different things, but just the the very mechanics of doing a slasher film, you have to have a killer you can't see because. If somebody walks in and kills somebody in the first 10 minutes in front of everyone, they're just going to leave. They're going to run away. They're going to go, oh, my God, there's someone killing people. We, we better go immediately. And, and they'll all be there in the room and they, and they will attack the killer, um, possibly kill the killer. Either way, they're, they're going to run away. Mm. So you have to have the killer unseen for a while because as soon as they realize what's going on, they're going to try and leave. Um, and, and then the trick is once they do realize you've got to try and stop them leaving, but they can't realize in 10 minutes cause then you can't, you can't keep stopping them from leaving for the next 80, 90 minutes. No. Yeah. Cause one of the, one of the interesting things about, uh, 
of one of the interesting things. I, I feel like I'm I'm doing the commentary now because I, I watched it with the commentary the other day, and it's sort of everybody in the commentary goes, "This is the best bit. This is the best bit." <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like you don't have to keep saying it. It's all right. You're just pointing out something you like. But yeah, one of the bits I enjoyed was 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 how you did that setup, which is this idea of there's something going on. We're not quite sure. We know it's not going to be good, but what you do in the meantime mm. is that the the action that we see establishes a group of people that we understand. We mm. understand roughly all their motivations. You know, there's the ones that want to stay. There's the ones that don't want to be there. And like you, I've worked in many offices, and away days are fraught with why are we here. Yep. Cut versus hey, let's do paintballing, and you're like no. And so that that was really well, you know. The, the, it was we had the, we had the sense of these likable people who who were very sort of human, in the sense that they weren't either all gung ho or they weren't all just surly teenager types. It was mm. a definite cross section and the type of people that live in that that world. Then the kind of the sort of the decision goes. Yes, no, we probably should we shouldn't stay here. We should go where it kind of appears like there's a threat of some sort, but they're not quite sure what it is. And then they can't go. <laughs> then it becomes the yeah. fight for the life kind of thing. I mean, that was that's why there is that that escape attempt halfway through, and it's mm. it's it's pretty much sort of right at the midpoint when mm. things start going horribly wrong, and they notice things going horribly wrong. And and I was I, I remember right on right in that very first draft, and I, I got to that point, and I was like, oh well, they're just, they just they would just try and leave now, and then I just kind of thought, well, I'm just going to have them try and leave. I will have them try and leave. And then I, you know, I had them all run to the coach and everything. And then I just thought, right, well, if I'm the killer, how am I going to stop them leaving? Am I, would I, will I have expected this? Will I have planned for this? So will I've got, have I been doing this for several years? So I sort of worked out how they would stop them getting away. And that's when the, the, the spike strip for the coach came in. And, and, and then that kind of sets off a whole other kind of, kind of tangents and sort of dangers and they've got to get back to the lodge because they're in the middle of nowhere and but I you know I, I firmly believe in, in if there is a moment where your characters can escape they should try and escape right and, you know even if it makes it difficult for you you've got to let them try um, but then you know you've got to you've got to put the obstacles in their way and not just have them fall over which is why and there's a, there's a bit towards the end um when it's it's right in the middle of the the climax, the the, the, the final act, and um, and they are they're running away. They are actually running away, the survivors. And Maggie Maggie is getting away. She's running away. And it was again, it was in the script. I was like, oh, she's she's getting away. The film's going to be over. <laughs> and I just and I just thought about the killer. And I thought, what if the, if they if they prepared for the coach thing, then they're going to have traps and all sorts of things set up around the place. So I will have him set up traps around the place and she'll get caught in trap um, and that's how he'll stop her getting away and you know just to me it was just like a little kind of clever little moment on the page just to kind of keep the film going and then you get you get to the set and there's like 80 people standing around and they've rigged up this massive pulley system in the trees <laughs> and, and a, bit, a bit of scaffolding tower and there's two Hungarian stuntmen in very very short shorts standing up on the scaffolding and they're going to jump off the thing and pull the rope, yank the rope up to yank this stunt double woman off, off her feet and upside down. And I just, I just suddenly kind of thought, Oh, I didn't really think that that would be a difficult thing to do. 
<laughs> Maybe I should have just like. But that's that's probably why they have people fall over in uh, in bad horror movies because it's it's cheaper and easier. No, I, was, I remember I remember listening to Charlie Brooker talk about Dead Set, and he said he really talked about having a scene where the Range Rover blew up mm. as they were driving out of town. The engine all blew up and set on fire, and the producer said, "Why is the engine blowing up?" And he goes, "So they can't drive any further." He goes, "Well, let's just have it break down and let them get out." <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we don't have to destroy a Range Rover then. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you, you, you do you do use a lot of tricks, and I think it's 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 that wonderful thing which I think I don't I don't know why it works this way, but if if we throw everything at the good guys, it doesn't matter how I mean it can always, it, it'll always be a kind of contrivance of the bad guy, but mm. if you go the other way, i.e., the good guys get to conveniently get to where they want. I think like you were saying there, which is like if they can run away, they will run away, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. But you can always the, the 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 bad guy encroaching on the good people can have as many tricks as he wants, and it be as convenient as you want. Because, like you said, you can immediately be, and the audience is thinking this has been going on for years. Anyone that comes is going to get it, mm. kind of thing. Why do you think that works that way? You know, it's almost like they can be like the act of God for a bad person in some senses happening to the good guys. But mm. but to get free, it doesn't feel as dramatic. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're allowed to. I mean, it's not it's not a hard and fast rule, but I I think you're allowed to have coincidences happen to sort of start things off, start the story off, mm. and and you're allowed you're kind of allowed to have a coincidence to to make things get worse, but not too many, otherwise it's 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 a bit weird. Um, but you can't have a coincidence to get the good guys out of trouble. They have to they have to do it themselves. Mm. Otherwise, it's like, oh, that was lucky. We we happened to get away from the killer. That was that was. Oh, the killer just dropped dead of a heart attack. That was that was a stroke <laughs> of luck. Let's go home. But that, I mean, it, it it goes right back to my, and this is the thing that I've carried through to today, which is, you know, whatever the, whatever the crazy heightened situation is, I try and have the characters react as realistically as possible. I just think, what would what would I do? What would people I know do? And in this case, like, what would people in an office who are on a terrible team building weekend, what would they do? And they would, you know, they would bicker and argue and, and they would, they would mutiny and they would, they would, once things started going horribly wrong, they would try and leave. And they do, they try and leave several times and they're prevented from doing it because that's what you do in real life. And there's a moment where Maggie corners the killer. And she's got the gun, and she, and she just immediately kills him, and there's no kind of waiting around because because that's what you do. It's you know that the second you get a chance to kill the killer, you just you kill them. Because why why would you not do that? Well, you say that, but but in drama so much, part of what makes it last longer is that the good guys don't seem to be able to do that. Mm. And, and I've forgotten what a jolting moment that is. Because yeah. it's kind of like because you you're that used to films going almost like the opposite. It's, like, it's almost like acting like the Bond villain. You know, well, the reason that we're here for this killing and da 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 is enough time for everyone to escape. But in in this, is the killer usually gets away because we're rubbish at killing. But yeah. instead, was was that? I mean, was was she? I mean, the reason that I found that more believable than, than her doing it than the other character is she's American. So Americans, mm. I, I imagine, I can easily imagine. Are useful with guns. Was she written as an American from the start? Uh, not from the very start. No, uh, that sort of came in um, 
once I started doing drafts after it sold, um, okay. then we kind of we were kind of sort of they were talking about sort of the commercial the commercial side of it, and they just said, "Is there?" They're like, "It's okay if, if there isn't, but is there any way you could sort of believably get an American character in?" And and I just said, "Well, it's it's a global weapons company, so." They would probably have people from other countries working there, so I think I think we could get away with it quite easily. I think mm. it, would, it would probably make more sense if there's you know more than one nationality there. Mm. So it made sense for that to happen, and then that that kind of made made things a bit richer and deeper as well. And then yeah, there was actually a line in there um, originally. Um, lots of stuff kind of got trimmed out for time, um, but I think that I was talking to Chris about it. We, we were kind of like, is it is it believable that she that she's really good with this with a gun, like just someone who works in an office, and and we just said, well, she she's in America. She grew up on a farm, and she's learned to shoot guns there. That's and that was that was enough. So I think there was a there was a line where she she fires the gun and kills the killer, and Danny says, uh, Steve says, um, where where'd you learn how to do that? And she just says Wyoming. <laughs> and, that, and there's no further explanation. It's just yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. grew up on a farm. Um, but even though I don't think we needed to explain it, it was just like, you know, it's just, she she just can. Because why not? Um, all these killers are super proficient at uh, using weaponry, so why can't one of our good guys be be good at it? Then again, you know, it's like, it's not that she needs to be that good. She's standing like three feet away from them. <laughs> just no, no, don't, them no. But, it, but it, the act of killing someone, no matter how bad they've been, is still that's a big leap. I still, you know, as from when you do that kind of, what would I do? Mm. I don't. I mean, I don't know how far I'd have to. I mean, obviously they've been they've been pushed quite far at this point in the action, but I don't know how far I'd have to be pushed before I could shoot someone. So it's like it was. It what weirdly it was just the fact she was American. It was like she's American. That's obviously why mm. she could kill someone. Um, now from from. Um, from a writing point of view, when you when you were building up that the idea of the office workers, that's not off. That doesn't say arms dealer. So where mm. did the where did the arms dealer element come in? Was that already in it at the point when the script sold, or was the the, the script something that developed into them being based out of an arm, a global arms dealer? Um, I can't remember. Because um... thematically, it becomes a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal from the get go, really. But but it, it weaves its way through. So it's not just getting killed for no reason. It's a I'm not sure. No, no, it wasn't. Um, they were, they were. I can't remember what the company was. It was they, they did something else, um, but it was after it sold, and I did because there were so many drafts that I can't can't remember um, what happened when. Um, but yeah, there were a few drafts for the film company um, before uh, the director and producer were hired. Then um, there were a few more drafts once. Uh, the director and producer came on board, mm. um, and then there were a couple where me and Chris passed it back and forth and and, and did stuff on it at the same time. Right. Um, so I think it was yeah it was it was once it sold they they became a weapons company because it felt like that was kind of a an ironic thing to happen, um, and and to be able to sort of link it back and and figure out uh, why this is, why this is happening. Um, and that that then led because I remember having lots of conversations with the producers and with Chris, where they they kind of they kind of wanted to know why this was happening to these people at this moment. Yeah. And 
and me and Chris were just like, it's it's a horror movie. It doesn't matter why it's happening. It's it's happening. So you know the the, the thing that people will be focusing on is how do they get away? How do they get out of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. These people have wandered into the lair of the killer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think originally um, the the draft that sold they were they were basic the killers were basically hunters. Mm. Uh, they were just sort of like these these deranged cannibal hunters who lived on the land and they they just liked hunting people and and that's why there's traps and and spike strips and and okay things, so it's more things. like more like a kind of wrong turn type film kind of yeah I mean they weren't they weren't cannibals but they were mm. they were they were kind of they were kind of weird <laughs> and that's why there's like things on the trees for them to sort of move around quickly and yeah. so explain how they get in and out of of places really really almost supernaturally um so it kind of so it was kind of a, a logical progression that they would become people who had been affected by this this weapons company who and and, and ex possibly ex-soldiers and but yeah that that was our thing was like we don't we don't need to explain why they're doing it they just they're doing it um but a lot of people get very nervous when when there's no sort of backstory explaining why killers are killing um and that's where the three stories thing came from because we were just like well, all right, if we have to explain it, then let's have three completely different stories. And it's kind of, so then we can get to do, we can get to have some fun with it, but then we can also kind of like wink at the audience and go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who they are or why they're doing it. Um, so let's just kind of, let's not worry about it and move on. Um, and then later on, there's sort of this hints that it's, uh, that it's actually two of the stories rather than just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, I think, so think, think then. I think Danny Dyer says I lied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, but it's, but even then, it's like there's bits of those two stories and then bits that that aren't quite consistent. So we're still going to go on. Yeah, it still doesn't really matter. But you know, if you want, if you want one of those to be true, then then fine. I think scoring the logo into uh, somebody's somebody's body is enough to make you make the connection that they're yeah that yeah. they're, ba- they're badons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. However, whether it happened in the twenties or whether it happened after the Balkan War, I mean mm. that's an interesting thing as well. That that you and you talked about this in your in your, in your in your workshop. It's 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 a horror film for sure, but it's not without humour. Mm. Oh yeah, it's but you, loads. Yeah. But, you, but, you, but you we do not we do you don't make the humour doesn't impact on your ability to be horror. Mm. And vice versa. So, how, how do you how do you balance that? Because you know, lots of lots of horror films tend to be like once you've decided they're a horror comedy, then it's just like how do we get laughs out of gore? You know, mm. thinking like Tucker and Dale versus Evil. You know, it's not it's not yeah. particularly scary. It's hilarious. Mm. Yeah. It's gory, but it, there's no there's no there's no kind of tension built up. Whereas you you've I mean, my, one of the cleverest I thought um, was the whole spider reversal expectations. You know, you. Mm. You've got this character who we can see the audience in classic style. <laughs> You've got a big spider on you. Yeah. And then she's not scared of the spider. And it's such a great, like, oh, you've... Uh, and the, But it turns out to be a brilliant misdirect because then, boom, there's a man in a balaclava out of a window when she tries to get rid of said spider. Mm. I mean, it's yeah, it's things like that. Like, that was sort of things that I was trying to do right from the start, which, were, mm. which was just, I'm going to try and sort of subvert the genre a little bit and kind of 
use your knowledge of this type of movie against you and and surprise you because um, mm. I because I you know I love I love slashers and I love horror so I, I know them I, I know quite a lot about them and I just kind of so any any time something happened I was kind of like I, I'd I'd see that coming uh, they're going to see that coming so I would then leave it and then and then change it at the end so that they so that they would think they would know what was coming and then I would I would flip it around and do something else um um that was that was a philosophy we all stuck to um there was actually there was a a moment just before shooting where me and Chris and Jason the producer just sat down with three laptops and we went through it line by line just kind of going is that are they going to are they going to expect that should we should we flip that flip that around or, or put a little a new spin on it are they going to are they going to be surprised enough so we, should we do the opposite to that and then and then when you, the second time we do it, we go, all right, let's, let's do that again. Then the third time, we're like, right, they're going to expect us to flip it around and do something else now. So should we do the original thing again and make that like a, a double a double surprise? Or should we do like a different thing entirely? And just really trying to put as, m- as many surprises and twists and just little, just fun little moments that would kind of just wrong foot people the whole time. Um, as for the balance, it... It is tricky um, to do because, yeah, if you if you make it too funny, then people won't take the scares seriously. Um, but at the same time, I do put a lot of humour in everything I do because I think that's what keeps things realistic. You know, if something terrible is happening, someone is going to make an inappropriate comment, or they're going to they're going to me- they're going to mess up, or they're going to say something stupid, mm. or they're just going to be so exasperated and angry at what's happening that's going to be funny for the audience. So there's no like there's no jokes in pretty much anything I do. I don't put jokes, you know, traditional jokes in. Yeah. It's all characters reacting in a in a believable and or funny way. And I think though, you know, when 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 that kind of humor is kind of hung off the uh, the situation and the characters, then it it feels funnier and more and more natural. So, but yeah, but we I mean we kind of you know, the the first half is a lot more comedic, and there's a lot more kind of gentle introduction to the to the situations and, and setting everything up. Um, but once once things kick off, we don't sort of we don't hold up on the on the scares and the action, um, and we just kind of just pulled back a little bit on the. It, there was still humour in there. But we we pulled it back a little bit so that. You know, so that the kind of the, the balance was more towards the horror and the scares in the, in the second half, mm. um, and then you obviously you know end on a end on a joke, leave people smiling, and uh, and the job's done. <laughs> well, I think I think one of the cle- oh, I keep saying one of the cleverest things. I don't know if I used a different phrase than that. Um, a, a trick that you did that helps that along is um, is in the first half is when you don't kill Andy Nyman. Mm. He does his uh, the, the what do you call it the um, yeah. the swimming pool dance thing. Yeah, it's very yeah. funny, a very physical comedic moment that mm. he he performs with a plot. You know, it's kind of like yeah. it's sort it's sort of it's that point where you know it, where something's just over the top enough that yeah. you're laughing you're laughing at the fact you're laughing at it now, and, yeah. yet, and yet it doesn't detract from it. But I'm thinking as as my horror brain is going, well, he's going to die in a minute, isn't he? Yeah, and the next thing is we see him, and it's been a, a slapstick moment. It's not even yeah. it's nowhere near death, in fact. <laughs> um, and I think you know this is I've forgotten this about Severance is that 
because I'm used to what you describe as those those terrible um, the slasher films where you've got lots of beach beach body women and men who mm. just queue up to be killed. You've given us these these people because I think that's the best way to describe them who are a mm. mixture, and I've not decided even up to probably halfway what you know. I can't give you what order they're going to die in, and mm. I think that's testament to what you've done to subvert it to that point. Yeah, because it's not obvious, and I think that's a. That's one of the things I've forgotten about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, and that, that's another deliberate decision, is that, you know, I kind of, I, I mixed up the order at the, at the very beginning, like who, who would normally die when. Mm. Um, in fact, the, there, were, there were a couple of early drafts where Steve died about halfway, three quarters of the way through it. No way. Because that, <laughs> because that kind of character... Gets killed. Yes, he does. Yeah, no, no usually. Um, and and I was like, well, that's that's this is the place where this kind of character kind of dies, and and it and it all it all worked, and it was fine and everything. But every time I did a redraft after that, I was just like, as soon as he's gone, all of the all of the air just kind of drops out of the movie because it's, and it's just like there's just something there's something not right, there's something missing. He just he's so full of energy and so full of light. He's such a weird, unusual character. Mm. And I was just like, I think, I think the movie's suffer. I think it's suffering for him not being in it. So I un, I unkilled him. <laughs> the power of the laptop. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I just, and I, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I won't kill him. Now. I'll, I'll kill him at the end instead because you know that kind of character doesn't survive. And I was getting towards the end. And I was just like, but I, I don't want him to get killed. Why, mm. why, why does he have to to die? Like, wouldn't it just be really surprising if he actually made it? Because because that character isn't supposed to, you know. Yeah. He's 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 naughty and he takes drugs and he should he should die, but it's funny that he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The reckless one becomes the the kind of heroic one, which isn't like you say isn't usually the formula. Mm. Whereas obviously there's there's enough in in the kind. Of, I guess that I, I guess that's a nice. Um, I don't know if it's, a, if it's a value judgment or whatever, but you know, of the kind of team leader. In an office environment, everyone's a leader if they're just managing office people. But mm. it's a different kind of quality, isn't it? You need when there's a killer on the loose. Yeah, you, the natural leaders might disappear at that point. At which yeah. somebody who might take magic mushrooms is probably the best person to follow. <laughs> yeah, or not in, not in real life usually. No, no, in, in drama at least. Mm. <laughs> but um, what what mm. for you? What for you? I mean. Cause, cause, because it isn't obviously about one person. You've got a whole ensemble to worry about. So it's not one person's story. It's the mm. story, the situation, <laughs> and how it unfolds. Yeah. What? What? And you've, and it's interesting. You've already mentioned there about about sort of writing somebody back into a film as opposed to writing them out of it. Mm. Um, what? What do you remember being the kind of storytelling challenges for you at first, and then what became the storytelling challenges as you as you moved into production with it? Um, the, the very early drafts, um, originally I, I didn't have a, I didn't have an out, I didn't have an outline. Uh, I say I didn't have a full outline. I didn't, I didn't even have half an outline. I had sort of the rough setup and some of the things that happened. I had the, the rough character breakdowns. Okay. Um, and, and it was a different, a different killer, um, and so the very, very first draft I did, because I didn't have an outline, I would, I know I had like seven or eight characters. I thought, well, I, well, I can't, I can't kill people too quickly because otherwise I'll run out of people to be in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I spaced out the deaths. So, so somebody would, I would 
construct this elaborate death scene and then I couldn't kill anyone in front of the 10, 15 pages. So I had to have them sort of <laughs> talking about what happened. Um, and, and then it was, then it was time to kill somebody else. And I mean, I'm, I'm simplifying it a bit. Of course, yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was, it was kind of that on the very, very first draft. And, and it just meant that there was lots of talk about what had just happened. And I just thought, I can't, I can, no one's going to watch people just talking about what you've just already seen. Mm. And I also was like, if they just talk about, if, if they're, if they've seen it, then they're going to, they're going to try and leave. So I just did lots and lots of drafts, just kind of reworking and reworking and trying to, trying to get it to make well, sense. Were you aware at that point that your lack of outline was what was making it harder for you, as it were? Not at first, no. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it, it took it took quite a few drafts. Um, it took about six months um, of of redrafting it and and trying trying a different ending. Yeah. And and sort of moving people around and and refining, you know, the fact the fact that they don't see what's happening until until halfway through. Yeah. Um, but I was just sort of changing the ending and changing the killer without kind of feed, feeding that through the rest of it. So I was like, strange things happening, strange things happening. At the end, you find out so-and-so did it. Right. Um, and I would change who so-and-so was, but I didn't change what the strange things that were happening were. Mm. Um, and it was when, it was when they became hunters and then I kind of thought, right, well, if, but if they are hunters, that, that there's a scene earlier on that doesn't make any sense because they wouldn't do that because they're hunters. And that's when I kind of thought, oh, I need to, I need to do that for every, for everything. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, if, if I figured that out earlier, um, it would have, would have saved a lot of time. Um, cause I, I had some, I had some weird versions of the ending that just didn't, didn't work, didn't make sense. And it was only then when I was like, right, I'll give it a complete redraft and make sure that the villain's motivation is consistent even when the characters, the other characters don't know what's going on. So, and that's, that's a thing I do a lot now, which is if, if, the, if there is a villain or, or an antagonist or, or whoever, I, I make sure I know exactly why they're doing what they're doing. And that they have a very good reason in their own mind for doing it, and then I can make it consistent what they're doing. Otherwise, they're just sort of randomly running around doing doing random nonsense. So that was kind of when it started coming together, and and yeah, so it took it it took nearly a year to to go from the initial idea to the the draft that went out for sale. I guess I guess the textbook example of of that, and is is one you mentioned in your workshop as being a film you and script you revisit, would mm. be Die Hard, wouldn't it? Alan Rickman's character, is, yeah. is is has clearly got a plan, and everything he's doing is clearly yeah. his point of view is I'm doing the perfectly rational thing here, mm. and it never deviates. You don't you don't yeah. feel that you're 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 serving a plot. You're serving yeah yeah Gruber's plan, and and it's and it's um, McLean who's who's fucking up for him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In fact, so I mean, there's, there's an argument that that if if they just left Hans to get on with it, probably not as many people would have died. 
I have thought that myself before. <laughs> Although it doesn't quite fit with the the blowing the roof part of the plan, so I, I think I think he probably would have killed everyone. Um, He'd have killed a good few, and it wouldn't have been nice. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. The, uh, but it, the... but it would have been quicker. So. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So so if if that was, were you, were you always when you were doing that process from the very well from that first one without an outline? Did you have an ending in mind that you wrote to, or did that first time you went through it? The ending emerged, and then you spent the next those those redrafts you talked about creating new endings and going, "How do I get to that mm. ending?" Then is that what you were well, doing? Well, I mean, I had my villain, and the ending was basically they they are now they are faced with the villain in the final act, and okay. they have to defeat the villain mm. um, in a big sort of it was a big sort of battle, a big kind of fight, which kind of gradually developed um, over through the drafts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but yeah, but the the, the very very first draft very first villain um, I asked, it was actually originally called Mountain Man because I thought wouldn't it be great if there was if there was this crazy mountain man who just lived in the in the woods and he was like this big seven foot tall guy in animal skins um, and and then they would be they would be confronted with him at the end and they'd have to battle this this survival mountain man um, and and you know, written in a, in a paragraph as as an as an idea, and in my head, I thought that's going to be so cool. It's going to be so scary when when he finally emerges, and they and they see him. But then when I when I did the first draft, you know what what in my head is this scary, terrifying villain emerges. It's basically just a a naked man in a beard steps out of a bush, <laughs> and it's not it's not the terrifying moment that I had, that I thought it would be. It's not quite the eighty people on set with somebody hanging out upside down on a rope, is it? It's it's not. No, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a satisfying uh, uh, moment, really. So, yeah. So it was just like I mean that was like a very rough draft. So it was just kind of just trying to develop it and trying to change it and, and figure out how to how to get it to a fit state. Now, you, you in in terms of how we watch the film, the film tricks us into believing we're in the present. And, mm. and 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 until it reveals that that present you first saw was actually a long way down the road in terms of the story, in terms yeah. of where the story gets to. So was that always thus on the page, or was that something that came out with the you know the the when I say that the page that went that you went into production with was was that always thus, or did that come out of the after the shoot and sort of in the edit that kind of order? Oh no, that was that was that was part of the. Part of the production, part of the you know, that was yeah, that was the the shooting script mm. as as is. It was always at that point. It was always going to be the the flash forward kind of mm. thing. Um, and there was, I mean, very early before it before it sold, before I'd even got got the script working, there was like a a, a, a pre-titled sequence where someone is chased through the woods and killed. Mm. Uh, but it was but it was the previous person at the lodge for a while. So that didn't that didn't change to that until um, the the film company drafts were happening, and then it, it it became that, and it was kind of because it was all it was always like, well, who is this? Who is this person who gets killed, and why why are we seeing them? What, what, how are they linked to to what's going on? Um, so it was a few drafts in from there that that sort of came came about, and, and then we all got really excited about that. I was going to say, was you confident on the page? Because, because on the page, it, it would it would feel scary to me that we'd recognise the CEO the minute we see the corporate video. But 
I know. I just rewatching now because what this this week before I spoke to you. I'd not watched mm. it for a while, and I, you know, you watch something afresh again, and you go, "No, I didn't spot that until you get until you get back to the posh lodge." I had to mm. make the connection with who was running in the forest and the corporate video of the same man. Well, it still it still kind of works. No, it does. Do. Oh, but sorry. If, okay. if, even if you recognise him, because yeah. um, you see you see him get killed, and mm. then they're on the coach, and you see him do the video, and then Richard said George is going to meet us there, and they get there, and he's not there uh, yet. Okay, okay. So okay. if you do recognise him, the implication is then that George has already been killed on the way to meet them. Got so you. he's so he's already dead. Um, so yeah, so it it still it still kind of works. Because <laughs> and the flash forward is 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 a, is a neat device isn't it because it gives you the ability to do a horror moment mm. to say this is a horror film sit down and fasten your seatbelts please carry on watching the horror film now yeah and, and and without having to just go like random horror moment at the beginning just to, to establish it's a horror film you know it's it's intrinsically yeah. linked yeah. to what what you deliver after that yeah and then yeah so you get the horror out of it and then you know that later on you can then use it for comedy instead because the second time around, it's going to be funny. Because you've already you've already seen it and suffered. But the second time, it's just going to, you know, it it all it all means you earn that moment when they burst into the second lodge and and George is there. So it it all kind of you just get to use the same thing twice uh, in different ways, which is nice. Now, one thing that struck me is um, there is a lot of there is a lot of blood and violence and brutality in this movie. Mm. Which I think again, I must have just remembered more of the humour at first. You know, when you think about it, yeah. you think of the horror side of it, the com- of, sorry, the comedy side of the horror, not the horror. Yeah. Now, on the page when you're writing this, how lyrical do you get in terms of the buckets of blood that you're anticipating happening, or are you just going, "I'll let production design deal with that," or are you are you being explicit about the level that you want to be able to see? I get I get pretty pretty detailed on the page with everything. Okay. Um, like if there's, if there's gore and, you know, not, not like to the, to the, to the ounce, but mm. you know, if it's a big intense splattery moment, I will, I will be specific about that. Um, if there's, if there's a big fight sequence, I will script that out, you know, bit by bit. Well, almost like choreography um, on the page, as it were. Yeah. I mean like, well, half, half choreographed and half kind of, Getting a sense of what's going on, like okay. it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be every single punch, but yeah. like the big, but the big moments. Got you. Um, and yeah, but I'm, I remember doing it and kind of because it because it's it's so long until something actually until things actually kick off. So there's half of the film where it's a gentle office politics comedy, and then when it does kick off. People are not. I mean, I've seen it with an audience so many times, but by that point, people are not expecting it to go as hardcore as it does, because by that point, they just think, "Oh, it's going to be a bit of blood and a bit of laughs. It's not going to be that. It's not going to be that disturbing." Mm. Um, and then it does. It does quite freak people out because yeah. <laughs> it's so extreme. And I've just, I've just led them to believe it's not that kind of a nasty movie and that it's going to be all right. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a breach of contract, but. Uh, but it's a funny one, really. No, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like it's <laughs> like we've talked about the micro misdirections. That's like a big macro one, isn't it? That you've yeah. you've led us down the garden path and you've hit us with a mallet. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's like don't worry, it's going to be all right. It's just <laughs> nothing too extreme. Because because it's even even before it gets serious, it's sort of you get that the dead coach driver mm. who's completely obviously brutalized. He's a, he's a yeah. 
it's 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 a mess of a corpse. It's not just like a mm. dead man. Yeah, yeah. And even then, you kind of go, okay. And then you give us graphic. It's like it it, it begins mm. those those deaths. I mean, um, what's she called? Um, Claudia uh, Blakely's death is particularly. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't hide behind that one, do you? No, no, and it's and that's like you don't even you don't even see it. No. But it's because it's all played on her on her face and her and her fear and her emotion. It just it feels so explicit and so extreme, even though you don't see it. It kind of feels like you do. It's yeah, it, it's it's really quite upsetting. It's uh, it does it freaks me out quite a lot because um, it's not comedic in any way. I mean, there's, there's a comedic bit before that, but he's mm. just going to, because he's toying with her. Um, well, that, it's, just, it's so harsh. But the interesting choice you make before then is that she doesn't so much get captured, she just wanders off into the forest dazed, which is yeah. which is an interesting, you know, I mean, it's completely in keeping with what happens to someone, I imagine, if, you, if mm. you're kind of not quite conscious. Yeah. But it, 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 in terms of pacing, it, it, it's like surreal, because you've got Toby Jones on the floor, Mm. Sort of wanting to help, but can't because he's 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 sort of hurt. Yeah, and so there's the our character just walks off dazed into the night. Yeah, yeah, because she's she's concussed and she's cut her head wide open. Yeah, with some glass. So, yeah, I mean that was that was the other thing. Like we because I mean I don't I, I can't remember how much is on the DVD that that talks about this, but uh, the coach I think was supposed to. Tip over at thirty miles an hour, and he had fifty-five, um, didn't he? The, that, the stunt, yeah, the stunt yeah. driver did fifty miles an hour. Because <laughs> he's he's a stunt driver, and he yeah. wants it to look as good as possible. He wants to and, play a thing, didn't he? And yeah, well, it, it was he was so he, he was like he was made of tree trunks. He was just, he was so he was just built like a like an like an oak. Um, and he is the he is the bus driver isn't he, that takes the yeah, there. the stunt yeah, man that does that stunt is also. The, yeah, real the, the, the real them, driver, yeah. who takes real driver, yeah, takes them on the on the uh, on the team building day. And I, I think he just had like he had like a a, a waist seatbelt and a crash helmet mm. for that for that stunt. But yeah, he like he floored it, and apparently it's not possible to get those coaches off the ground. But he got it off the ground. He, it, I mean, it leaves the ground by several feet, I think, and it's I'm still amazed that cause it's such a massive hefty thing um and he gets it off the ground so it looked so much crazier than than planned they had to sort of make them look even more messed up and more bloody so so it kind of plays into that that she would be really dazed mm. i mean it's amazing that anyone survived <laughs> i was gonna say yeah yeah when 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 the killer when the killer approaches uh, toby stevens there's mm. a lovely lovely moment where he walks on that sheet of glass mm. is that is that on the page too. Is that something you know in your imagination of that of the of the aftermath? Did you? Um, I didn't. Have, I didn't have the sheet of glass there. Um, but that, yeah, I mean that could have been like that could have been the props person. That could have been that could have been anybody. It's just like when you when you're in the physical reality of, of making the thing. Mm. Um, you know, because like when I when I'm when I'm writing, I'm not going to see a big piece of glass that has fallen out of the coach. Mm. Um, but then when you're on set and it's right there in front of you, it's going to be like, oh, that looks cool. Let's get that in. Let's have a walk across that. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't on set for the coach crash. Um, I was kind of, I really wanted to be there, but I was kind of terrified that something would go wrong. And, and I would basically just be watching, uh, watching someone die. Um, I, I always, I always get 
really nervous when there's there's action and stunts because I just think if anything goes wrong, that it's my fault for writing it. <laughs> I should just write nice, uh, nice romantic movies where nothing bad happens, and then uh, there won't be any accidents on set. They sung a song. They had a game of tig. They kissed. They had tea. Went to bed. The end. No, that, that's far too dangerous. <laughs> What did you, from from your point of view, from what you imagined when you were writing the screenplay, and, and then you see the finished production? What was what was the most satisfying moment for you to see realised on screen from from like from growing from what you imagined it might look like? I think probably uh, probably the bus crash for one because mm. that was that I mean that was right from the very very first draft that was in there, mm. and it was always the the bit that I thought. That's going to be too expensive. It's going to be too difficult. That's never going to survive to the screen. Mm. And, and it's such a great crash, and they they did such a great job with it. Um, I'm just I'm so amazed. It looks so good. It looks so good. Um, the other thing is, I mean, you're not you, you're not supposed to write songs into your scripts, but right from the very first draft, I had written in. Ichiku Park into the opening sequence as Get the out opening. Of town, really, had you? Yeah, as the as the opening credits music. Um, in fact, I originally had them. They were uh, Gordon was trying to get them to do a sing song, so he started singing that, and then the song actually just takes over on the soundtrack, mm. and and then it's the opening credits. Because I wanted to have a I wanted to have a distinct moment with his opening credits, and there's a song playing, and and I had and I had that in there, and the the sing song came out for time um, quite early down the line, mm. but. But the the song itself just stayed in the in the description on the page for some reason it just stayed there, and then when they were doing the the sound mix, they they I don't think they were very happy with me because they tried about fifty other songs and nothing worked, nothing felt right because it had been in our heads for so long that nothing else looked right. Yeah. So it meant so it meant they had to go and pay for that song. <laughs> But it's, it's quite quite expensive, apparently. I imagine, I imagine, yeah, because it's it's, it's it's a big hit. But it's this, it's yeah. that it's that beautiful marriage, isn't it, between mm. blood pouring down a man's face, yeah, and a happy park about being free and a, free in the sunshine, basically. Yeah, which he's yeah. a lo- he's a long way from that realization. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that's that was that was the goal with the song as well. Was like I always wanted something so so cheerful and jolly and and fluffy. That it would have such a massive contrast with with the film itself. Uh, this, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting you to remember, but I'm just thinking, what what made you do something like, also like you said yourself, it's quite unorthodox, isn't it, to be specifying. Mm. You, you would just say happy pop song, blah blah blah, yeah. or whatever. I just I didn't know any better. Honest, that is the honest truth. I didn't know any better. You're telling me um, naivety won there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's weird. Like it's it's been on it's been on telly several times in the past few years, and I think about a year or two ago it was on one night, and I just I just stuck it on to like to talk to to say that it you know to tweet that it was that it was starting on telly mm. if you want to watch it. Yeah, and I ended up I ended up just watching it. I hadn't seen it for a few years, and I just kind of thought. I think I did a bit of a live tweet as well for a bit. Um, and it was so weird watching it back sort of recently because I thought I would never, ever write it this way now because I kind of did everything wrong. Because, you know, it was my first, it was my first film, mm. my first proper film script. Yeah. 
I did everything wrong. It's all over. It's all over the place. You know, no, nothing actually kicks off um, with the slasher plot until forty-five minutes in. So it's exactly halfway through when the when the the bear trap takes his leg, uh, and it's such a long build-up where no one's getting killed, and there's just lots of you know scary, jumpy things happening, but no one actually is dying yet, and. You know, if I was if I was writing something like that now, I would I would never wait until halfway through the film to kick things off. And there's so many other things that that I just I would I would never normally do. But having said that, I wouldn't change anything about it because I think that that naivety of your first film really it just gives it such a such a weird funny energy that it just wouldn't it wouldn't normally have. And I think that's what makes it. Memorable, and that's what that's what people like about it is that it's so it's so surprising and unexpected, and because I didn't know what I was doing, really. But it's it's, it's did, was there ever any pressure to make it become a slasher film sooner? Um, because I mean, obviously, the obvious thing would be the obvious note that someone might give you is we need the first proper death to happen on minute twenty-five, or at least in the first half hour. So we can say no, no. I mean, it's uh, amazing. I had, I had lots of conversations with Chris about it, and he, you know, he obviously knows his horror as well. Yeah. And we we were sort of chatting about it, and we had to, we we did a workshop before filming just to kind of see how scenes played together, and we got we we got some uh, some some actors in, um, not people who are in the finished thing, um, and just did like a workshop read through kind of thing, and we just sort of put scenes next to each other and, and kind of saw how they played, and there was just a moment where. It was cutting between, um, I think the the walking to the bus and then the, the the bear trap thing. We had two groups of actors, and he he came, he came sort of running over. He was really excited. And he said, "I think it's I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work." And there was there was another moment where he was like, I, "He said I don't know why this works. It shouldn't work. It shouldn't work at yeah, all, yeah, but it, yeah. it does." And he we we did talk about maybe sort of moving things and, and, and trimming stuff down, but then he was like, "But that's kind of what gives it." That's what kind of makes it what it is. So, well, yeah, I, I, I think though there's there's lovely little bits that that sort of give us the horror moment without real horror. So mm. it's almost like um, it's almost in the opening sequence actually because you've you've shown us that flash forward. So we're not quite sure whether it is a flash forward at this point. Yeah, and then as the coach is coming in, Andy Nyman sees something out the bus window. Yeah, we, we don't see what he sees if I remember rightly. And he looks around all worried, but nobody else is worried. So him being that kind of beta male character, he doesn't go, everybody stop the bus, we need to go. He just goes, I mustn't have been anything then, eh? Yeah, and, then, and there's the POV in the woods where it's, like, it's clearly some kind of scope, sniper mm. scope or something, just seeing who's coming and focusing on the logo. And mm. Yeah, and there's the, 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 the guy in the woods and Danny's... Danny's uh, pissing in the forest, and you see the corpse. And... The corpse, and that's never paid. It's, it's never sort of nobody goes. Ah, there's a corpse. It's just like no, weird. no. And that's also a, another thing that, I, that, that that sort of breaks with the normal, the, the normal, whatever normal mm. is, is that the audience is privy to quite a lot more than the characters, and you don't, and that doesn't mm. lose any of the dramatic tension as a result of it. Yeah, because we we know we know we're watching a horror film, but they they don't know they're in a horror film. They have no idea. They they just think they're on a boring office team building weekend. They don't know they're actually in a 70s slasher movie. And why the bear? Oh, it was just, it was just a, it was just a joke. Um, 
because there, there was a bit because I I didn't want to sort of set it in any one particular country, so so I had them sort of not actually know where they were, <laughs> and I, I looked on the map to see which countries had like a kind of a border crossings where there were three countries touching. Yeah, and I thought wouldn't it wouldn't be funny if if just Richards just so rubbish they don't actually know where they are, and then I'm not I, I partly because I didn't want to sort of insult any one particular country and say that your country is full of deranged psychopath killers in the woods. Mm. Um, but also it, it was just funny. Um, and then, and then the thing about the, and the conversation about the bears kind of came from that. And then there were sort of like, you know, bears don't have passports and all that kind of thing. Um, and it's, then it just, and then it, nice? it, just kind of, it kind of peters out. And then, um, and then Chris added in the bear in the background because you know, when you're when you're directing, you know what you can what you can get and what you can't, and yeah. what what there's a budget for and everything. Right. Um, and he was like, "Wouldn't it be hilarious if there was, if a bear after that conversation, a bear walks past in the background?" Um, and I laughed, and and and, and he laughed, and, and the producers sort of looked at the looked at their checkbooks and <laughs> <laughs> looked at the spreadsheet that says bear <laughs> one day shoot. Because it's such, it's, Cause it's such real, isn't it? It's a real bear, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Real. Yeah, there was, there was, they, they got, they had a bear guy in for a couple of days, and it's, it's a real bear, and uh, I didn't, I didn't get to see it. Um, but it's such an expensive, silly, throwaway background joke that I think some people didn't, didn't actually see the first time they saw the film. <laughs> but that's, that's why it makes me laugh. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um... That, that a lot of maybe the success of it is due to the fact that you didn't know any better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's encouraging for the world, I think. Um, <laughs> who's, trying to make, who's trying to make things, because everyone's plagued with their, I don't know what I'm doing. So, mm. so it, doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't hinder you from success, because you can make it work by knowing, by knowing what you're trying to do. Yeah. And what you achieve might be different, but it doesn't matter, because it's coming from the right place, as opposed to that, you, you know... You sat with like the, the 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 expectation that you were going to try and subvert the slasher film, so you tried your hardest to do that, and that's and severance yeah. is born out of that. As opposed to, I'm going to put eight people in a, in a remote setting and kill them one by one. Mm. Yeah, which is kind of a, as heartless as the act of killing eight people is. You know, it's sort of in film terms. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just it's purely carried along by my naivety and my energy and my enthusiasm and my passion and love for horror mm. movies and slasher movies. Um, but of late, I mean, I, I, you know, earlier this year, I watched if you watch something like The Witch, which in a context is a completely different type of film, but mm. it spends, apart from its opening bit, which says I'm in a horror film because we kill mm. a baby, then it spends 45 minutes telling me here's a family falling apart in a, in a clearing mm. until it becomes a horror film in the second half again. I think there's... This may, and, maybe, and maybe this is just a... Ch- I mean, this is maybe... It's not a chance for all horror, but it, it, it's sort of one of the things that I think... Horror, can, horror films can often miss is that actually we're still film audience. We're still a film audience as much as we're a horror audience, and mm. the rules of drama still apply. You know, characters still have to. We still have to believe them. We still have to want them to do stuff. I, mean, yeah. I, lo- I love that switchover with with just the fact that we we kind of get the bicker in the rivalry, and then suddenly we see them as one, and we go, "Oh, God, I hope they all survive now." Yeah, you kind of yeah, because bicker- because they're not bad people. None of them are bad people. They're just you know they're just they've kind of they got stuck in certain roles and jobs in life and some of them are just scared and some of them are just not very bright and but none of them are bad people none of them deserve to die they're just you know they just just had a really bit bit, bit of shit luck 
indeed. Well, look, well, thank you very much for, for giving us your time to talk about the severance. I feel like I've been indulged a bit, to be honest with you, for my podcast. But, that's right. but I don't that's a bad thing. Um, and do you want to remind people then about Mina Murray's journal and, and when's that coming out and how they can see it? Yes, that is premiering online on Thursday the 29th of September and you can find it at minasjournal.com and that's got links to our, our YouTube channel and if you go and subscribe then you will get all the episodes delivered directly to your um, your subscription page on YouTube, whatever it's called and you won't miss anything and everything will be going through our, our, our main channel there. We'll, we'll, we'll put that in. We'll make sure that goes in the show notes as well to make life easy for people. Cool. Um, is there any is there any film projects you can talk about that you've got in, in the up and coming? Anything? Or... Um, not not yet. No. Um, no. It's all it's all very early days yet. So. Well, as, as we're po- so close to post Fright Fest, then do you want to? What was your, what was your favourite film of Fright Fest this year? Did you have one? Oh yeah. Um, I loved Found Footage 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really loved uh, Another Evil. Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh, it was great. I was on the Discovery. There was lots of Discovery stuff that, uh, that you know, you, you, there were so many things going on. You had to sort of pick and choose what to see. So there's lots of stuff I missed as well I would, I would like to have seen. But uh, it's, it's quite, a, quite a stuffed uh, lineup. Um, what was the other one? I'm trying to remember all the things I played. Um, yeah, I was going to look at a list of, of films briefly. I liked um, They Call Me Jig Robot. Well, it's not necessarily a horror film, but it's, you know, Fright Fest has got, it's got a bit of a wider um, a wider range of stuff, so you get to see a bit of everything. Did you see Love Witch? I loved The Love Witch, yeah. That How is, amazing was that? That is possibly the... The, the top one actually because yeah. it's just yeah it's it's beautiful and it's funny and it's and it's scary and it's just it's got a bit of everything and it's very it's clever. so good yeah yeah it's really clever it's got a great storyline loved that um, for similar reasons uh, really loved uh, Francesca yes that's uh, did you see that I did yes 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 that had great. a that had a your, your Ichiku park it had a disco funk scene while somebody was being moved yeah. what an amazing decision that was. Exactly, exactly. That was a, yeah, it was a great score as well. It, I mean, it looked and sounded fantastic. And it, you know, it had a really strong story with a really clever ending. I was so impressed with the ending. And obviously, uh, the train to Busan was just ridiculously good. I mean, that was, our, our whole row was in tears when we came out of that. It just kind of blew us away. That was, it was almost too much. How the, I mean, that was some, uh, but you got to, well, not brave. Brave is the wrong word, but it was a really strong story choice to make a nine-year-old turn a cynical banker into an altruistic person. Mm. You know, that the, the father not playing the white knight and going, yeah. in, the, in these situations, you should think for yourself. Yeah. And the nine-year-old's going, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> and that, do you know, funny enough, it was, when, when that film got to the first, the first carriage that erupted into zombies. I was thinking of your uh, of your workshop at that point. I was thinking, well, they've run out of film already. Oh, where did they go from here? It's I know it's of, great. It's kind of like, where did you go? You've just you've just made all the train have zombies. There's only one way to go, and you can't get off. Hmm. And then suddenly it began to expand, and you were just like, this is this is amazing. And it did it's... it did play true to that. What would I do? What do they do? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's and it's so intense. It's really intense. 
And again, it's like this, you know, I, I would, I would still say there's no, there's no bad people in that. Like even that, that horrific villain guy, the weasel, the weasel. Even, even him, you know, I would still say he's not a bad person. He's just terrified, you know, and he's doing things out of fear. He's not doing them because he's evil. He's not evil. He's just, he's just absolutely scared shitless. Mm. And some people, you know, they find inner strength and some people, they don't come off very well in that kind of situation. And that's, that's what I like exploring in my stuff as well. It's like you get a bunch of people and see how they present themselves and how you think they are a certain way and then throw a serial killer or zombies at them and then see who they really are. Mm. Well, I think it, it, in some senses, because I watched Karaoke Crazes as well at, at mm. Breakfast this year, which is another Korean, another Korean movie. And, and, and one thing that both of them do, and it's, it's even weirder when you see it in, in Trains of Bazan, is that they managed to do like melodrama in the, mm. without losing me, without losing me as the audience. I don't think these exaggerated characters and these exaggerated situations is spoiling my fun and making it feel any less fraught or yeah. dramatic. And you think, and, and I don't know whether that's that's. I mean, if it was English language film, I'm not sure I would have bought it as easily. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I can't. I, I, I rack my brains because if you think of like Ealing Studios and all those kind of stuff. We used to do, Britain certainly used to do melodrama really well, and it never was just all high camp, you know, mm. to, for the sake of it. It was often with very, you know, with um, with very serious stuff going on at the same time, but you just use it for effect. And I yeah. thought, I thought that similarly the way that Koreans obviously like to tell stories and dramatise them, it, it felt very natural. Mm. Well, look, sir, I've taken up enough of your time now, so we shall uh, we'll draw the podcast to a close. So, okay. th- thanks again. Let's just remind people again. When's your uh, when's your video series coming? Your web series coming out again? Uh, episode one is 29th of September on a Thursday. And that's Mina Murray's journal. And I'll put some links for so people can go and sign up for that and see the trailer. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.